Welcome to the Straight Cut. I'm Steve Garland. Aaron Shuttleworth right here. And we are coming to you live from uh, West End Cigars again. Yeah, we're not in the members lounge anymore. We upgraded into the yeah. main area. Yeah, moving on up. Yep. <laughs> um, tonight is our third episode and we have a special guest tonight. We have my future brother-in-law, Mr. Will Araha, the owner and operator of the hottest barbershop in the state, Art of Men's Cuts. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm we super appreciate, excited. We appreciate you being here. Um, I think everybody that works in the shop gets their hair cut at your barbershop, so we love it. We love having you guys come there. Good. I, 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 don't, I get beard trims. That's what I get. You, I yeah. <laughs> Pretty soon his will be free. <laughs> well, they're free, but you know, but if I'm doing it, it's free. Yeah. <laughs> Well, tonight we're uh, we're smoking the Perdomo Double Age Vintage uh, Connecticut um, in the Gordo size. Um, this is one of the hottest Connecticut's in our humidor right now. Uh, we sell an absolute ton of these things. Um, I don't personally smoke a lot of this cigar because I'm not a huge Connecticut guy, um, but I know Brandon does. Um, and you smoke these occasionally. Yeah, uh, you know, that's why we're smoking it tonight is because last week we did the interview with Brandon and he said this is in his top five. Yeah. Um, this is definitely, uh, this is something I don't smoke a lot of, especially this size. We're smoking the Gordo. Um, to me, that's just a big cigar. Um, but, you know, we're, you know, with us being tobacconists and being in a shop, we have to smoke things that are out of our repertoire. And this is one of them, but it's a good smoke. It's aged, um, you know, twice as long as the normal Habano. And it's a, I mean, it's a good cigar. I just don't smoke a lot of Connecticut's like you. It, it's a good cigar. Um, it, it's very mild. Well, it's mild to medium, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it goes through 10 years of traditional aging, um, in the pilon, and then it goes through two years in a bourbon barrel. Um, and we'll kind of get into all that later. We'll talk about all that. So it tastes good. Yeah, it is real good. I like Perdomo's. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And which I still way? have that huge poster that you all gave to the, t- to the shop. Yeah. That's still up there. It's one of my favorite. Not, Not because of what's on the poster, but <laughs> I mean, it's good to look at, too, <laughs> because of the cigars. So. Yeah. Like I was saying before we introduced you, um, owner of Art of Men's Cuts, so just a, a barber in general, which is a you know a trade that a lot of people don't think of it as a trade. They think of more of like a uh, just a job. But how long have you been uh, barbering? I got 19 years now, licensed, and in the beginning, you know, it wasn't as popular as it is now. You'd have to either, you know, go get another job or, you know, barber part-time. Um, it's just, it's amazing how it's blown up and gotten so popular. But that's a good thing. I'm, I'm happy that a lot of men are choosing to go to a barber shop rather than a franchise. Like sport clips, great clips, yeah. super cuts, which... Definitely, we're catering to men, and, and still are, and and we're trying to get that demographics whenever barbering was down. Yeah. Um, because no one was going to a barber shop anymore because they thought, you know, all they could get was you know buzz cut, high and tight, flat top, and um, now of course you can pretty much get. I mean, you can get any haircut, any hairstyle at a barber shop. Yeah. You know, as long as it's not. Um, coloring unless the individual is dual licensed like a cosmetologist and a barber Um, and if the shop actually does color then they can do both but traditional barber shop um, usually sticks to just cuts fades tapers straight razor and all that good stuff so it's a good thing and uh you uh i mean you're in arkansas now but you started barbering where at 
I started barbering in Los Angeles. So just a quick background, I was born in Little Rock. I'm a true Niner, Southwest. Uh, grew up in, uh, off of Mapleville Cutoff, an Oakwood Manor Apartments, mm -hmm. which were behind eight wheels. And now I don't think you can even drive into that, <laughs> that <laughs> complex, it's all gated. Um, and then we ended up moving to California. Let's see, I, I started at Horseman, then we left after that, moved to California. Uh, we're in Northern for a little bit, and then immediately went to SoCal. And uh, I, was, I was a Hollywood kid, you know? And the whole time I would always dip into uh, cutting hair, whether it was my friend's hair or whatnot. You know, I'd go in the back patio or if it was at their house or in someone's bedroom or in the kitchen or in the bathroom. And they weren't the best haircuts, but they were free, and that was good good enough for them. Yeah, sometimes you need one of those. That's right. If it's free, it's for me. That's yeah. right. That's, that's, that's the main thing. No. So, and, you know, it wasn't until I got close to graduating from, from high school, uh, Hollywood High School, which is not glamorous at all. If anyone's been to Hollywood, they know. Um, I started to uh, kind of, you know, check my options on what I wanted to do, whether I was going to go to college. And I, I decided, man, you know, I'll try college for a little bit. It wasn't for me. Um, I just don't have the patience for it. I figured if I was going to be something, you know, like a botanist or entomologist or something like that, a lawyer, a doctor, then yeah. But um, other than that, I was like, yeah, skill set's good or, or this and this and that. And after college is when I got into uh, hair school and that was actually in Arkansas because we had moved back. And after I graduated, um, I moved back to LA. And I was in my early 20s. And I stayed there ever since and worked various jobs, ran the uh, Chinese theater in Hollywood for a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. Did a lot of red carpet events, uh, a lot of premieres, uh, moved up to district, corporate, was doing all that good stuff, and then went back cutting full-time still wasn't popular still wasn't you know a big deal and um, 2013 I decided to move to Arkansas came out here and there was no barbershop I feel like I could fit in so you know, I didn't have any you know ambition to open up my own shop because I loved the shop that I was at which was Rudy's of Glendale and that was in Glendale California which is you know three minutes from Burbank uh, about eight minutes from Hollywood 11 minutes from downtown LA um, and the guy that owned it, he was second generation barber, and his father. And a lot of people that come to the barbershop know the story because, you know, their pictures are hanging on the wall. I pay homage to the guys that you know influenced me and, and took me under their wing. Um, and he taught me a lot. That's where I really cut my teeth. I learned the true meaning and essence of barbering, you know. And it wasn't about taking a picture of your haircut and posting it up <laughs> and getting the likes and you know, trying to be Instagram famous or a platform artist. It was about the community, taking care of the guy that's in your chair, um, and giving him a great haircut, making him feel good. That's what it's all about. So I wanted to bring that to Arkansas. And that's when I opened up my own shop. And I was content in my mind. I thought, you know what? Probably just going to be just a town barber because Bryant was not as busy as it is now. And, you know, it's a blessing that it blew up, yeah, but also a curse. <laughs> so I will say that. And then out of the woodworks, everybody came wanting to be a barber. Oh yeah, you know. 
and it was really interesting to me because you had a lot of individuals that weren't cutting hair, you know, at home or weren't had no interest in it, um, and they turned out to be really good barbers too, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't want to take full credit for it. I think the individuals put in a lot of work, yeah, you know, and and they're amazing. The barbers that uh, are in my shop or been in my shop, they're great barbers, you know, as far as barbering. Um, but it is unheard of for someone to graduate from barber school and jump into a barber shop and immediately be booked out. Yeah. Just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, I mean, you grew up in the, not grew up, but came up in the barbering scene, learning from the old school cats, you know, like you said, cutting your teeth, you know, sweeping shop every day, probably getting, you know, being the young, young guy, you're probably one of the younger ones in the shop in Glendale. I mean, just learning from the old school dudes, uh, you know, that were there. What, what did they, what did they instill in you that you now, you know, produce to the other barbers that are in your shop now? When I, when I got into uh, Rudy's of Glendale, um, you know, I remember uh, walking in for the first time and the owner, Vaughn, who, you know, hats off to him. He's, he's an amazing, amazing man. Times can be an asshole, excuse my language, <laughs> but he's an amazing guy. Um, I walked in with the cockiest attitude that I was there, you know, like, all right, the, the great one has arrived, man. I'm here to show you guys how to cut some hair. <laughs> nope. I ended up pulling the barber pole down, cleaning it, uh, cleaning the uh, base of a barber chair, and, and I, I ended up messing up a lot of heads. And that's when I realized that I was not the great one, you know. <laughs> and it was, it was humiliating to have him show me the way he did. I remember at one time he grabbed my hand in front of a full shop and... Um, you know, just kind of guided my hand as if, if I was a child. And he said some real colorful words, words that, you know, I'm not going to say right now. Yeah. But they were pretty demeaning and uh, degrading at the time. But I got thick skin. I remember going home and I was telling my wife who, you know, she's the best thing ever, man. She's, if it wasn't for her, I don't, I don't even know if I'd be around. <laughs> but, um, I said, man, I'm going to quit. This guy's a, you know, an asshole, man. And she, uh, she talked me out of quitting. And I went back and, and slowly moved up the ladder. You know, I was second chair, which I'm thankful to be second chair. It's a really important chair um, in a barbershop, a traditional barbershop. And um, it wasn't until I was riding my motorcycle through Pasadena and went, I went to an old shop. And I'm going to get to your question, too, by the way. So this is all going to tie I went to the old shop that I was at, and I went to visit this guy named Mike. And Mike... Uh, you can imagine a, a Native American type cat, real soulful, you know. And the other guy there, his name was Gary, and um, he was real, still from the 50s, had, uh, you know, penny loafers and rolled up, you know, jeans. And, <laughs> and I walked in to see him and said, hey, Will, what's going on? And I said, nothing much. Well, Mike, you know, with the way he is, he says, uh, hey, man, a little man came in here the other day. And I said, little man? I said, who are you talking about? Well, you know, Vaughn was, I mean, he's five foot something he's a little guy but he's he's stout and ripped i've seen that man do 50 pull-ups you know he's up there in age and i said you talking about vaughn and he goes yeah vaughn yeah little man <laughs> and i said well what the what was vaughn doing in here why was he at my old shop man and i said man he came by just to say thanks for uh for, for giving him your number well at the time i when i moved to glendale from pasadena 
you know, Vaughn somehow got my number from them, and we were talking back and forth before I actually went to Rudy's of Glendale, which, by the way, not to be mistaken for the chain Rudy's. Uh, this is Rudy's of Glendale, mm-hmm. so, uh, which had been there for over 50 years. And uh, I said, okay. And he said, yeah, I told, uh, I told old Vaughn, I said, man, old Will's going to be a good barber. And he said, he's not a good barber. He's the best barber I've ever had. And if you could imagine my head oh, yeah. looking like a balloon <laughs> blowing up. And he would, because he would never say, hey, you're, you're a great barber. And I just rode back to Glendale with a big smile on my face all the way from Pasadena that day. So for me, with my guys that come into the shop, not that I'm going to make them, you know, take the barber pole down and clean it or uh, clean the base of the barber chairs, but I do like to instill everything that I learned in regards to treating the person in your chair right. Um, if somebody sits in my chair and they lost their job, got laid off, I'm not going to charge them for a haircut. Not to, That doesn't mean you guys need to come in and say you got laid <laughs> off. <laughs> Man, I was going to use that yeah, next time. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, with all honesty, um, my seniors that come in, Man, they paid their dues. Yeah. You know, those cats that are old, yeah. I'm not going to stick my hand out my palm up saying, hey, pay for this haircut. Uh, a lot of them, they want to give me something. And I'm just, you know, if you want to give me some, give me five bucks or something. But, you know, if, if you're okay with it, I want to give it to you for free. It's not about the money. Um, so I try to kind of, you know, teach the, the new cats that are coming in to really take care of people and take care of the community. You know, that, that's important to me. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of our uh, customers and, and employees are drawn to you guys because it, it's kind of a similar atmosphere in that we try to take care of people in a different way than they get treated at most other places, you know. That's right. something you don't see in a lot of industries, but you do a lot in uh, in cigars and, and old-school barbering. Well, and, and like, you know, we opened up around the same time, you know, Weston opened up in 2014 uh, and uh, the fall of 14, you yeah. opened up in uh, 2013. So we, you know, we've been, you know, cool with each other the whole time, especially because, you know, you're, you're right next door to the tattoo shop I work at also, you know, and I, I met you early on and uh, stuff like that. So we were able to build this relationship together and then, you know, we've kind of worked hand in hand in a lot of aspects in a different different way. So that's why, you know, I know you tell a lot of people about us and we definitely tell a lot of people about you. I mean, you yeah, can I mean, we see, got like, poster. we got your picture yeah. poster right behind our, <laughs> our awesome. register. You know, it's uh, to me, it all boils down to loyalty. And, and when you, you know, when you hook up with individuals that are like-minded, um, there's no question about it, man. So, you know, whenever it comes down to cigars and you know, I'm, I'm known for smoking cigars, mm-hmm. I mean, I had to cut down a little bit. I wasn't smoking as much as you guys. I don't. I know you guys smoke a lot. I don't think anybody smokes as much no, as we do. No. Yeah, Brandon. I mean, he smokes more cigars than almost anybody I know. I yeah. know one other person that smokes more than he does. He, he's he's top on mine. Yeah, yeah, but you but you have a you know you have a, a love for cigars just like us and everything. And you know, I I grew up in Kansas City, and I remember growing up in a. So my grandma was a beautician, so I grew up, you know, in a beauty parlor, just a bunch of older blue-haired women and yeah, everything shows, like that. You know. <laughs> yeah. But like every Saturday, every Saturday, my dad and I would do what we what he called a scratch and spit. So it was just me and him. This was before my two younger brothers were were born, and we go to Pete's Barbershop, old school shop, um, like four chairs like uh, all old guys, they were smoking cigars while they're cutting hair, and it was just like like that's probably where, you know, I kind of 
embedded a little bit of, you know, cigar in me, but also that, you know, just that barbershop feel. Because I remember, like, getting a haircut from Pete and having, uh, you know, an ash, like, drop on my head and everything. And he was like, <laughs> oh, you just brush it off and everything. That's but so awesome. just that old school shop, you know, I, I, I definitely, you know, grew up around that a lot, too. Man, I wish I could smoke a cigar while I was cutting hair. <laughs> I don't think everybody would like that, though. Yeah. But we have we have done you know a collaboration event with you yeah. uh, before where you know you had a uh, you got a cigar, you also got a straight razor shave, a nice haircut. You know, one of our favorite pictures that we have. Yeah, I think it was Joe, one of our customers. Yeah, it was Joe like sitting back, leaning back, towel wrapped around his head, and just the cigar sticking out, <laughs> you know, up above it. You know, that was that was a cool. You know, not anybody else has ever done that before that I've heard. And you know, it was nice to have that little, you know collab event with somebody totally you know two different ends of the spectrum of jobs and stuff and it's just it shows you how everything does kind of mesh together overall so let me tell you about that event real quick okay and why it's it was special to me and why west end is so special to me and why i am a west end diehard fan even though you guys don't see me my lord i mean every now and then i'm popping in so anyways that event was the first time ever that I was introduced to cigars and it was West End and AOMC and of course uh, Druzy you know uh-huh. hey you need to smoke this <laughs> okay cool man <laughs> which you know he's he's always the guy that introduces you know things to uh, to everybody <laughs> especially me um, I mean, hell, I ate raw chicken with the guy once. Raw chicken? What? Yes. Oh, I, re- I remember that. Tell yes. us this story. Well, I don't want to say the restaurant's name, but what happened was we went to go eat Thai food, and it's a it's a great place, okay? I'll say that. And I'm sitting here chomping on this uh, chicken curry, and, man, I'm eating that. I mean, I'm pretty much halfway done with the whole thing, but, you know, I'm eating it, and it's chewy. And I'm thinking to myself, after I'm eating the whole thing, I was like, man, this is kind of chewy, this chicken. You know, you know, Drewsy's there just tearing it up. And I said, hey, man. I said, this look right to you? And I lift up the chicken, and I suck the curry off of it. <laughs> and it's raw chicken, man. Oh, my and said, gosh. And he goes, that's raw chicken. And I said, hell no. He goes, yeah, it is. Give me that. Let me see. And he just puts it in his mouth and starts chomping on it. He goes, yeah, that's raw. And he goes, you've been eating that right now this whole time? I said, yeah, man. I've been eating this raw chicken, dude. And so I called the lady over and I said, hey, uh, you know, I think this chicken's raw. And she kind of looks at me like I'm crazy and is like, well, why did you eat all of it already, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. So she takes the chicken away and takes it to the back. And then she, she comes back out. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry it wasn't cooked. And, you know, we'll fully refund this meal and everything. I said, no, I'll pay for it. I ate it. And then I said, man, I just, you know, hope I, hope I don't get sick or anything. Yeah. I was telling, you know, Drew, and uh, that's all in your mind, man. It's in your mind, Will. <laughs> said, yeah, it is in my mind. I eat pretty much anything. Yeah, you have an ironclad stomach now. I do, and I didn't get sick. I, my, you can ask Josh. Whenever he's in the shop, he'll tell you he gets so grossed out with the things that I eat. I mean, literally, if I show him my food sometimes, he wants to barf. Because, you know, I like to eat, you know, because it tastes good. Yeah. But at the same time, I eat for fuel. So I'm that guy. You'll throw me somewhere, and I'll just, you know, if nobody's around, I'm going to eat you, dude. Yeah. 
You know, <laughs> sorry. I mean, hey, we're stranded here. Your ass better run. <laughs> so I will, at nighttime, I'll come back and I'll just feed on you. Man, I heard this deal. Um, this guy was stuck um, on a raft for like a year and a half, lost in the ocean, right? They were on a ship, it sank, and him and like two other guys got on a raft. Well, so after multiple weeks, they they found this like bird that was dead, and so they got it up and they ate it, and it made one of them sick, or made both of them like super sick. And so the guy he was with just like refused to eat, and so eventually he died, right? So this guy is starving to death, so he eventually eats this guy. Okay, his family is now suing him because they're claiming that he wasn't dead when he started eating him. What? That the guy killed him specifically to eat him. Oh, isn't that crazy? Yeah. How can they even prove that? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, there's no way. Oh, oh. No way. <laughs> you should have taken a picture of it. No. <laughs> Well, so like this one, so like I I know how like you can eat whatever because me and Steve did a challenge. Oh man, we did the Pocky One Chip Challenge. I died. Yeah, you worst. Know, I damn near died. Ever. I love spicy stuff, but man, I was sweating. I was dying. I had the hiccups. chip is not the worst part. It's the it's, it's the next day <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning when you wake up out of bed and your stomach is concrete. Yeah, that but is like, the worst. But like you didn't even move. You didn't. You were like in shock because I I took it. It looks like I oh, took it worse. But you I, had a the bad. difference is but I'm then, a man. Yeah, but then that's we, the difference. Yeah, but then we <laughs> challenged you, and you did it, and I just I don't know. Yeah, it was uh, you know. It hurt more than I made it look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah. You know, deep down inside, I was crying like a little girl. I was like, oh, God, this is the worst thing ever, man. But I couldn't show it. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah, that chip was hot. Yeah, that, that was, that's the hottest thing I think I've ever eaten. Yeah. You know, when I saw you, when I saw you guys post that challenge, the first thing that went through my head was like, damn, this is going to suck. <laughs> Why did they do that to us? <laughs> Aaron's the one that talked me into it. I thought the same thing. I told my wife about it, and she's like, "Stop listening to Aaron. He does, what does he know?" <laughs> I bring the evil on everybody. Yeah. Well, let's touch on the cigar for just a second. Um, so, like we mentioned, it's the uh, Perdomo Double Aged um, Connecticut, and um, it comes in a few sizes. So you've got the Churchill, which is a seven by fifty-six, the Epicure, which is a six by fifty-six, also known as a Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gordo Extra, uh, which is what we have, which is a six and a half by sixty. The Robusto, which is a five by fifty-six, and the Solomon, um, which is a six point one by sixty. Um, so a few different sizes. Um, I believe that Solomon is somewhat limited, um, and then the cigar itself is gonna is limited. It'll eventually yeah. go away because they only have a certain amount of tobacco that they can do this with. So, but the uh, the twelve year aging. Um, so Will, you're, you're probably not as versed in the aging process with these, right? Right. Okay. So, um, what they do when, when they grow the tobacco and then they, they harvest it off the plant, um, they go through a fermentation process, um, and that's going to vary based on the tobacco that they have. And then, um, what they'll do is they'll take it into, um, basically a, a warehouse, um, and they put them on what they call pilones, um, which is, um, about the a little taller than the table that we're at right now. So probably somewhere around four feet ish high. Um, and it's set into four sections and they rotate it. Right. And they measure the internal temperature on the inside of the pilone so that they get the aging that they want. And it, it, it 
changes the flavor based on what they're trying to accomplish, right? So most cigars you're going to see somewhere like three to five years-ish um, throughout that whole process. Some cigars you'll see seven, and then you get the super premium stuff, which is like this, right? It goes through 10 years of that. And then after they've done all that, they take it and they put them in these um, charred oak bourbon barrels that they get from different bourbon companies. And um, they age it inside that barrel, and it gives it a really interesting note. It doesn't taste like bourbon. Right. Um, it just gives it kind of some natural sweetness, nuttiness, um, and a little bit of oaky flavor that little, you don't always get. It yes. great. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's awesome. awesome. Here's, here's my question. Who thought of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's, to me, it's amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The fact that they go through that entire process mm-hmm. just to come up with this yeah. for us to sit here and enjoy it and taste so good. It's to me. So you know, who who sat there and was like, "Oh, let's do it this way. Let's yeah. do it that way." It's, and how long did it take? You right. Know, you know, so many uh, failed attempts at getting it the way they wanted. Exactly. I mean, it, it's a science. It is a science. And everything. It's, yeah. and it's botany. It's all that kind of yes. stuff. And you got to think. You know, it's 2019 now. So this seed was more than likely planted tw- 2006, 2005 ish. Somewhere maybe. in there. Yeah. Somewhere around there. That's so crazy. I mean, that's just. I mean, what were you doing in 2005? I mean, right. I mean, that's just. I mean. <laughs> I was still in high school in 2005. (laughs) You youngin. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for that to be planted now and for us to be joining it now, you know, in 2019, it's just the, the, and plus with, I mean, with Nick Perdomo, you know, you and I have met Nick, just the visionary that he is and, you know, seeing what he has created, you know, and he's a, uh, you know, top notch. I think you met him that night because you were here for our anniversary when Nick was up here and he's just a, you know, he's a great guy and he makes a spectacular cigar. Yeah, and he's uh, you know, and he doesn't pull any punches, just like any of us. And he, you know, when he says he makes a great cigar, he makes a great cigar. See, that's another thing about you know, you guys, you're so knowledgeable about like all the cigars and you know how they're made and the flavors and everything like that. That's all like when you know, I know I'll, I'll tell Aaron all the time or when I come here, and you know, especially you when going the humidor, which the humidor is amazing, and hey man, just. You know exactly like what I'm looking for, and yeah. then you go through the process and just pick out the cigar. So it helps out so much to have people that are so invested in, in cigars. It's a big deal, you know, and I applaud you all for that. Well, thanks. I mean, and what we know doesn't really even scratch the surface no. to what, you know, like we said last week, Nick Perdomo, uh, Jonathan Drew, yeah. all of them know what they their knowledge is just out of this world on everything. Yeah. So you know, I hope to know a quarter of what all of them know. I just happen to be you know a nice you know to, uh, you know tobacconist and connoisseur of stuff, and they're the they're the the masterminds and geniuses. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy the the amount of knowledge they have with tobacco, and and some guys you don't even realize. Um, that are, you know, on the manufacturing side that never come out into the limelight. You know, like you hear, you know, of, uh, of Nick Perdomo, but his tobacco guy um, is Aristides, and he's like a 90-year-old man from, from Cuba, um, and that dude knows even more than Nick. So let me ask you something. Yeah. Um, since you've been there, if you don't mind walking me through there as far as, like, what it's like. I'm just curious when you walk walk through there you know what like what are you seeing is it like room full of people doing this doing well that? so different parts of the factory are different things so you've got you start with the fields right so on the promo tour they literally walk you all the way through their seed selection all the way through 
finished product and it's this is going on a truck today and and shipping so you're outside well you're inside in parts of it you're outside for parts of it Um, you're you're actually in the field yeah they take you into the tobacco fields that's cool um so yeah i mean it's there's some parts where there are very select skilled people that do certain jobs and then there's some parts where it's you know they just need a hundred people to to do whatever it is has to be done right in in certain parts of their fields they have to use an ox to to plow everything because the tractors are too heavy it compacts the soil too much and the tobacco doesn't grow at the rate that it should right so there's i mean when you go into the rolling room which is the the place most people like to see when they go to a factory um yeah there's you know people two two person teams sitting at desks just person after person desk after desk after desk and there's just people rolling um literally all day long um and so it's it's crazy so can you get something that's just you know pressed out right then and there you can it's usually not going to happen too often because that product is basically sold by the time it's to that point right so if you think about it you know they have tobacco stored for x number of years before it gets rolled into a cigar then it goes through another aging process before it gets shipped out so by the time it's at the rolling table it's ready to go to somebody that's interesting yeah Yeah. it's It's really really cool it sounds cool It'd be cool to see that. Yeah. You know, it's I've seen pictures and everything, and, you know, we've had some members go down for the tour and everything, and it's one of those things where, you know, we have to tell them, you know, it's not a vacation. It's a learning ex- experience. You're going to yeah. learn everything about how this, where the history of the cigar started, just not his cigar, but every cigar, all the way up until distribution when it comes to to us so it's a it's a working trip uh, more than anything yeah you're you're on a bus at 8 a.m um and you take like a half hour lunch break and then you don't get back to your the place you're staying um until like 5 or five thirty that evening so let me ask you guys this you know i'm like say for instance like you know how barbering is where it's at mm-hmm. is the cigar community growing towards uh getting to you know be more uh how do i say this i don't want to use the word fad because then i'm going to be saying that barbering is a fad even though i can say that it is here and there but it's yeah i mean it's kind of depends so the the term they use in cigars is is like a boom right and i don't like that term it's the same thing with calling barbering a fad right right? right. so in the 90s we had a boom and the peak of the boom was like 96 roughly okay so in sales wise the cigar industry is in like 1994 of the 96 boom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're really close to, to breaking through what they did in, in those years. Right. Um, which means it'll eventually come back down. Um, hopefully not. And, you know, we, we don't really have an idea of that. Um, cause it's only happened really one other time in the U S. Um, so we're on a, a, a really good trajectory as, as an industry. Um, the FDA, regulations are kind of putting a lot of that on hold because um, there's some some different rules and and laws and things that we're we're trying to figure out right now and that's something we keep a close eye on yeah and that's you know that's you know one of the episodes that we're going to spend just a whole episode yeah. on is just you know fda regulations what it's going to involve with us in a shop you know there's already you know you're already seeing a few of the 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 uh, you know the wave effects of like online sales and everything yeah. and everything so yeah we can spend you know a multiple episodes just on on that alone yeah and so what we'll do is kind of cover um, 
you know, how the rules affect the shop and then what that means to the consumer. So you'll understand why things are changing the way they are is the idea. So uh, one of the things I want to touch on too, going back to the barbering side, you know, you're talking about how you help, you know, if somebody loses a job or having a hard time, you know, giving them a cut. Um, tell everybody what you do every fall around Christmas, Christmas time and everything um, for the, uh, the Harvest House, I believe. Is that the name? Oh, uh, the Vine and Branch. The Vine and Branch. Yeah. yeah tell, so tell them about that. The Vine and Branches is a organization ran by Miss Tamara Gore, and um, she helps, uh, you know, less fortunate families, uh, victims of whatever may be a natural disaster or anything like that. So around Thanksgiving time, um, we choose a day before Thanksgiving to cut hair for free all day. And what we're doing is we're taking donations for the haircuts. And, you know, you can pay anywhere from a dollar or nothing up to however much you want to pay. And that donation goes to the Vine and Branches because uh, for me, you know, I didn't grow up um, with a silver spoon, per se. So, you know, um, so I want to make sure every kid out there gets a good Thanksgiving. And for the individuals that have never experienced, you know, our kind of uh, barbershop atmosphere and the service that we provide um, due to their finances or, or whatever, you know, I want to you know, kill two birds with one stone. Allow the people that can't, you know, take advantage of a shop like ours to come in and be able to, you know, get a good, like a great haircut, you know, if they want or, or whatever it may be. And for the individuals that are coming in regularly, like our regular patrons, to be able to get a haircut, and if they don't want to pay the full price, they don't have to. It's not a big deal. Or they can, you know, pay more or whatever. But those donations uh, go to that. That's, you know, that's what we do. So I do that once a year. And, you know, I'm so thankful for my barbers and everyone that's in the shop because, you know, for those guys, they don't get paid hourly or anything like that. They're taking a hit. Yeah, you know, and they're they're you know they're making a sacrifice to give back to the community. And that's a big deal to me. Yeah, and so again, you know, one of the things I like to instill is helping out the community and being a part of it. Um, I don't like I don't like to be in the spotlight when I do it. Um, now everybody knows that we do it once a year. I want to stay low key about it, but but actually make an impact. Yeah, and I know if I advertise it and you know go through the proper channels and whatnot, that it can get big. But there's so many cuts we can do in a day, right? you know, before, you know, the day is over. So, um, but we do pretty good. And, you know, the community is amazing. Um, whether it be, you know, Saline County, Little Rock, we get people that come from all over. Yeah. And it's, it's a blessing. It really is. We have a lot of solid people that come to the shop, all walks of life, blue collar, white collar, whatever it may be. They're, you know, when they're in that shop, they're all the same. Well, it kind of mirrors how like a neighborhood cigar shop is, you know, you have white collar rubbing shoulders with blue collar, you have politicians, you know, with construction workers, and the same thing happens next to you, you know, in your chair, you might have a senator since we're in the capital city, you know, and the chair next to you, you know, could just be either a kid or a construction worker or whoever, you know, it has that same kind of, you know, a mirrored path in, you know, all is welcome in, you know, each individual place. And, you know, that's just where the brotherhood of, you know, you know, cigar shops and, you know, barbershops, you know, come to lie. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, go to barbershop every Saturday, you know, just to play chess or checkers or whatever, Absolutely. not get a cut and just kind of hang out, you know. And that's where you get your news for the week or whatever. Um, 
you know, and you just get that camaraderie, you know, around, you know, certain aspects of your life, whether it be a cigar or, you know, the chair. Absolutely. You know, like in the shop, and we're, I think you guys know this, you know, Steve, both of you guys, um, we're the most controversial shop at one point. Oh, yeah. You know, so, you know, we're at our, our new, well, it's not new anymore, but it's a bigger location. We used to be at a smaller location. We outgrew that and then got to the uh, bigger location. We've been there almost three, well, yeah, it'll be three years in March, uh, November, November, sorry. And uh, 14 chair shop and it's just tonsorial arts all the way, man. So cuts, shaves, and everything. But at one point and now, there's a lot of people that hate on us, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, you know, you're doing it right. Yeah. And people are hating on you. Yeah, you're not doing it right if you don't make somebody mad, right? Exactly. <laughs> Everybody so, has to have an en- enemy. Right. And touching back to what Aaron, what you're saying, you know, you can come into the shop, you know, you can play pool, have a beer. Um, if you want to smoke a cigar, of course you got to smoke it outside because people. Uh, but it's a community shop. You know, we encourage people to come and hang out, you know, and just see what's going on. Um, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna come in there and leave and, you know, talk crazy about us, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, it, it, I know you don't like to, you know, self gloss, and so I'm gonna self gloss for you. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I really, you know, it hits home to a lot of people is like, you know, you care so much about your customers and everything because it's, it's just not a dollar walking in the door. When one of your regulars, you know, passes away, you know, one of the main things you do is you black out the barber pole. You know, that is, you know, one of the most honorable things that, you know, you can do. And that just, you know, shows you what type of shop, you know, you actually run. Absolutely. So, you know, that was, I don't think that was ever done or, in Arkansas, I mean, our shop, you know, it's pioneered, my shop has pioneered a lot of things with, you know, barbering in the state of Arkansas. And no disrespect to the barber shops that were here before, and, and you know, more power to them, man. They're still around. And, you know, that's some of my, some of my favorite shops are the shops that are just the four-chair shops. Mm-hmm. You know, I always see myself as being, going, like going back to my roots when I get older and, you know, having yeah. a select few. Because... You know, you got guys that come and go, you know, but then you got your diehards that are always there. And those are the guys that I see myself growing old with and being in that old school shop. But our shop, you know, when I when I hit Arkansas, no one was doing side parts. No one was doing, you know, what they're calling the comb over, but, you know, side part, hair, you know, to the side, and now crop cuts. Um, no one had water-based pomade, you know, and you can fact check that. It's the truth. 2013. I hit at the end of 2012, and Aaron knows that because he put my cabinets in. <laughs> um, but no one was doing what I was doing. And I remember being in the shop by myself. I'd be there from 7 a.m. till 9 at night, and I would do two haircuts. Wow. The entire day. Man. And, you know, Josh Carr, a.k.a. J. Riz, and that's, that's, my, that's my boy right there, man. He's he jumped on board. He saw the vision. And I remember Josh and I would sit around on the couch, and, you know, Josh would look at me and say, man, do you ever think we're going to be busy, Will Don? Will Don? <laughs> and um, I'd say, man, one day these phones are going to be ringing off the hook. I go, you know, I, I know what's going to happen because it was happening in California, mm-hmm. and it takes time for it to hit Arkansas, you know. And if social media 
I want to say this. Uh, it plays a big part. It can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it can. A lot of barbers, they're doing it for the wrong reason. They're wanting to be Instagram famous or, you know, platform artist, um, be in the spotlight. You know, for me, I give a haircut. And, yeah, in the beginning, I'd post my haircut because I want to show people mm -hmm. in the state, hey, this is what I'm doing because yeah. no one else is doing it. Yeah. Um, then it gets to the point where, you know, you can see the same haircut so many times posted up. You get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for me, it's um, – I don't post – much anymore um i should maybe but if it's something that's kind of eccentric like you know a design or something like that and you know i'm proud of it i post it up to show the skill set not for recognition and, and that's the difference yeah. so um but I'm, I'm happy that people embraced it and you know more barbers started to you know come around but and i will say this you know whatever barber has surfaced our shop has surfaced, or anything like that when it comes to men's haircuts is is or has been influenced by AOMC. And that's, for me, it's, you know, I I feel that, that's that's proud, you know, I'm yeah. proud of that. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, it's a compliment. Um, even if it's um, someone saying that, you know, they're going to take AOMC down, hey, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just happy there's barbers out there. Um, I'm just hoping though that it's not a fad. Yeah, so that was that was going to be my last question on the barbering side. You know, you know whether you call it a fad or not. You know, there definitely has been an influx of barbering, especially you know I consider it a trade. Like I'm in a trade. Um, you know, you can go to college, you can get your bachelor's, you can get your master's, you can do whatever, or you can go into a trade, electrician, plumbing. Barbering has its own, you know, college. You have to get your certification and degree in that. Where do you see, you know, the barbering aspect, you know, maybe not so much in Arkansas, but, you know, where do you see barbering in five to ten years? You know, is it at its peak now? Is it going to go down? Or are we just, you know, starting to crest over and go up even more? So barbering is about to plateau. That's my opinion. You know, it's about to, it, you know, it's about to hit it and that's it. So every shop that's out there right now is going to be a community shop. And the reason I say this is because it happened in L.A. You know, in Los Angeles, and unless you've lived there, you know, so many people can say, oh, man, I've been to L.A. and, you know, it was cool or whatever. No, live it. You have to live there to experience it. You know, you, you, seriously. Because when I was going to work every day, you don't pull up to the shop and just park there. You have to park three blocks away, put money in the meter, walk three blocks to the shop, Start cutting hair. You got two hours on the meter. When the two hours are up, hey, buddy, I got to run to my meter real yeah. quick. Hold on one second. You run to the meter, put more money in it, run back to the barbershop, finish the haircut. At the end of the day, you walk three blocks, you know, put money in the meter. You go home, you park three blocks away from your house because there's street <laughs> parking on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, man, I forgot my phone in my car. Guess what? I got to walk three blocks. I mean, it's a hustle. It's bad. So with that, as far as, like, the barbering side of it, just to give you an idea, there was a barbershop on every corner, and every barbershop was a part of that community, and that was that, you know. And that's what's going to happen, in, I think, in Arkansas. It's it's going to get to the point where everyone's going to get desensitized. You're no longer going to walk into a barbershop and go, oh, that's cool, man. Look at that mount over there. Oh, they got this. They got that. It looks like a museum because we were the first. 
bottom line. Yeah. You got all these other shops that are popping off doing the same thing. Yeah. And that's that's good, mm-hmm. you know, but we're the originators of it. And everyone that's been in our shop, we've been established for six years, are now desensitized to it. Yeah. Now it's just regular. You walk in and, hey, man, it's normal. You're a part of the shop. You're not, you know, impressed anymore as far as you've seen it for six years. Yeah. And so in other cities, there's still people that have never stepped foot in my barbershop. And that's okay. In Saline County, we're right there in the yeah. backyard, you know. Even in Bryant, there's still, you know, Bryantians that have never stepped foot in Art of Men's Cuts. And it's in their city. And you can tell for the first time when they walk in, they go, man, man <laughs> this is cool. Well, how long have you been here? And I'm like, what, what rock have you been living under, pal? <laughs> I've been here for six years, man. Yeah. And, and and it's not like you're tucked away. You know, my the tattoo shop I work at is right next door. We're exactly. on the main strip yeah. yes. of Bryant. You know, yes. you, you know, we have neon in the tattoo shop windows. You have, you know, some, some neon lettering and everything. You have a giant, you know, signage above your building. So it definitely doesn't, you know, it's not hot, hidden away in the back corner. It's not. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where even when you hear about it through social media, if someone, you know, uh, praises a barbershop they went to in Little Rock or, you know, wherever, and they're saying, oh, my God, this is so cool. I walked in. And to me, I just think to myself, I'm like, man, you are so behind. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, that's and, and, you know, in, in L.A., it's there's a shop on, on every corner, yeah. man. Every shop is a part of that community. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting a guy from uh, Ohio, and uh, um, Kenji. He owns Old Familiar Barbershop. And we met in Costa Mesa when I was visiting um, Hollywood's Barbershop. Um, and, you know, super down-to-earth guy. And, you know, I, I like the fact that he keeps it, you know, traditional, which is awesome. You know, there's no hoopla. I mean, our shop at one point turned into just um, a jackass um, show, so to speak, which is funny. It's cool. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, random things were happening in there. And yeah. It was no longer about barbering. It was about, hey, we're just doing, you know, kind of off-the-wall stuff. With cuts in between. With cuts in between. <laughs> and at one point, you know, I just kind of sit there and I got to shake my head. But, you know, it's funny. It's cool. But at the same time. You know, it's 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 not a traditional shop, so to speak, when, you know, stuff like that's happening. Yeah. Nothing against it, you know. But for me, you know, shops like Old Familiar and, you know, stuff like that, I'm like, hey, those, are co- those are cool shops. I like those shops a lot. And I try to not get too involved with the guys that are um, doing haircuts that are not practical in shops, you know. Um, it's just not, man. Just be real about it. You know, the guys that come into my shop just want a, a haircut, you know. They don't want, like, all the crazy. It's like I see haircuts right now, and all these guys that are up there in, in, in barbering across the board, you know, they're just common. And, oh, excellent, this and this and that. And I'm like, man, that haircut reminds me of, like, when I was a kid, and I'd see a haircut in a salon book where, like, there's, like, one piece that's hooked out, and, like, it's, like, you know, purple hair. Or red, you know, it's just <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I don't I've never done that. I wouldn't wear my hair like that. Yeah. And I don't know too many guys that would come in and go, hey, man, do this to my hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. So, yeah, that's uh, I see it plateauing. I see uh, every shop. Hopefully 
there will be longevity and it won't be one of those things because let's face it a lot of young guys they want to jump on what's trending they want to jump on that wagon because it's yeah. cool you know be in a spotlight and uh, do this and do that so who knows maybe like blacksmithing will be cool in <laughs> yeah. two years and everybody will be banging on that stuff <laughs> and then bing 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 left and right and you know we'll see we'll see where but I mean doing it for as long as I've been doing it that says something yeah so and it's kind of funny you know since I work next door at the tattoo shop we kind of have a running joke like you know is he a tattooer or is he a barber because we kind of look you know we're kind of meshing all the same <laughs> you know we all have that you know all heavily tattooed kind of thing and we are a younger demographic yeah both sides in the tattooing world and in the barbering world um you know so it's just going to see where you know history takes and you know, you know uh to me you know uh donnie holly was the first in my opinion to surface and i want to say it was 2001 or two I can't, I can't remember. I might be wrong. Somebody can fact check if they want. Was the guy that came out with pretty much tattoos all over us barbering. But, you know, a lot of barbers back in the day had tattoos, especially like on their forums because they were old, retired Navy guys. Yeah. And that, you know, they had cut hair in the military, and which is why I pay homage to the military. Not That's not the main reason. I got family that's in the military, but, you know, a big thanks to all the servicemen out there, man. Yeah. Everybody, even the guys that, you know, are, you know, uh, police officers, firefighters, EMT, you know, those those guys are, you know, just as important, man. They're out there doing it. So, um, which, by the way, uh, we do uh, military, fire, police, EMT discount when you come to the shop. Just let us know. So so where can everybody find you, you know, on social media? Um, so Art of Men's Cuts on Instagram and Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, you know, uh, I like to keep it old school, so you have to call the barbershop to make an appointment. Mm-hmm. We're appointment only, walk-ins by luck. Yeah. So, you know, in the beginning we were taking walk-ins, and this is 2013, but then it, it got to the point where people were waiting like a couple of hours for a haircut. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't remember the last time I saw somebody walk in and get in. Yeah. It's, well, I remember when you had to scrape appointments or uh, scrape walk-ins off the door. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I had, yeah remember that? <laughs> So, and now we get, you know, I get a lot of messages on Facebook and, um, you know, I, we can't book through Facebook and I just want people to know whoever listens to this. So if you message me on Facebook and I don't get back to you in time, it's cause I'm cutting hair. So everybody works their own books. I don't know what appointments are available because there's 14 guys yeah. and everyone's running their own books. Yeah. So just, you know. Food for thought, if you want to try to get in, call the shop. Um, and we're not hard to find, like I said, next to the tattoo shop, Anchor Tattoo, in the Goodwill parking lot, Bryant, right off Highway 5, which they're expanding, by the way, so get ready for that. Well, you know, a little history on the barbering side from you and everything. You know, this is a cigar podcast, you know, at yeah. the heart of it. So, you know, you already said your first, one of your first, you know, experiences with cigar was when we did that collaboration event, um, you know, touch a little bit on the cigars that you do enjoy when you do have them because you know whenever we're outside of the tattoo shop taking a break or whatever and i see you know the ashtray out there and there's cigar butts in there it's either yours or it's drew's so it's one of the two so what are your you know cigars that you you know enjoy so you know perdomo for sure uh one of my most memorable cigars was a rocky patel uh the sun-grown maduro um that was a special reserve uh, I was in Memphis. I took my family there. 
We were walking through Beale Street. We just finished eating barbecue, and I ended the night with that cigar, and it was great because you could hear the music. Just you know, it, mm-hmm. for me, atmosphere is everything. Whenever you're oh, smoking yeah. a cigar, and yeah, I smoke cigars outside of the barbershop whenever I can on my break. At one point, I was doing three a day, um, and my go-to's. Are, so the SLRs are kind of like my go-to whenever I want to smoke. I like them, and you know, for me, it's. Uh, it's just I'm on break, you know. If I don't finish it, you know, I feel horrible. If it's a like a really really right. nice cigar for me, and it's just like ah, I didn't finish this. And um, other than that, let's see here. Um, the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series, I like. I like those. It's on almost everybody's list. Yeah. So <laughs> that those cigars are. You want to make me happy? You bring me some of those. So. And there's a place you can get them too. West End Cigars. <laughs> just to let everybody know. You still aging cigars and uh, what were you doing so, it in? Okay, so yeah, you know I got a two liter bottle and I put some alcohol in there and I'm not gonna say what kind <laughs> what of alcohol. What was it? Come on, I can't. You man. got to. like it was just random whiskeys and stuff. Oh, hey, come on, you, you call us out, we call you out. Okay, well you remember? Uh, some shitty bourbon or something. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so what I did was I would punch a hole through the top of the cap of the two bottle. And I'd, I'd hook a string up to the cigar, and I'd tie it like a half-hitch knot, and I'd run the, st- uh, the string through the cap, and then I'd, you know, put, you know, the alcohol in there, and I'd have the cigar dangling, man, like this. Above the alcohol. Yeah. and I'd leave it there, and, I mean, I thought it tasted good. It tasted way better than my nuts. And what I mean by that <laughs> is my almonds, because... Um, if you ask Drew and Josh at the barbershop about, you know, the Will Don's Smoky Mountain Nuts, I don't know why they didn't like them. I think they tasted great. But apparently they were too smoky for those guys. But my nuts are amazing. If you like smoky nuts that just melt in your mouth and they're delicious, call the Will Don. My nuts are the best. <laughs> Oh, God. So, uh, touching back on the cigar, um, this is a Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper on this uh, with Nicaraguan binder and filler. So, um, they grow the a lot of the Connecticut shade wrapper now comes out of Ecuador um, because previously what they were doing is growing it in Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, all kinds of places, um, and they're growing it underneath like a, a cheesecloth cover, right? So, it keeps some of the sunlight away from the tobacco, so that it doesn't pick up all that vitamin D and the acidic flavors and it's not as spicy was the whole idea. When Ecuador, they figured they can grow it there with the natural cloud cover easier. Then it also grows thicker, so it's a more pliable leaf and it's not as brittle. So the cigars don't crack as easily. They also give you just a tad bit more flavor, um, which we're seeing in the cigar industry with Connecticut's is they're no longer very, very mild kind of European style uh, Connecticut's. They have a little a little bit of kick to them, but that produces a lot more flavor notes. So it's what you're getting with this, you know, some kind of caramely notes, um, that real nice kind of uh, nutty flavor to it. Um, very smooth, but complex all yeah. at the same time. Nice buttery finish to it. I when, when customers come in and ask about this cigar, I tell them it's like smoking a stick of butter with some bourbon trickled on top of it. Yeah. I mean, that's what, to me... That's the perfect description of this thing. And, and, you know, this cigar isn't in my normal uh, wheelhouse repertoire of what I normally smoke. Um, you know, all y'all have heard me before. I, I like a real strong full-body cigar. Um, 
except for I really like that Perdomo, the the uh, small batch, um, which this pretty much is. Yeah, it's just, the exact same. But it's just aged for the two years in, in the barrel. In, in the barrel. Yeah. Um. So it does add that level of complexity to it. You know, um, I'm drinking tonight. I'm drinking the um, Boulevard Beer Tank Seven. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. It's it's not for everybody. No, um, it's okay. You know, it's it's my favorite. You know, once again, I'll toot the horn of Kansas City. I think everything Kansas City is great. Chiefs, uh, Royals, good. everything else, um, especially the beer. I love the Smokehouse series. You know, Tank Seven. That is my next to Guinness. It is my all time favorite beer. Um, you know, and it's it's a very bitter grapefruity grapefruity. Yeah tasting beer um so you know it i I don't want to say it's the the perfect combination you know with this cigar no um but this cigar also isn't one that i smoke a lot of um but you know i think i think what this show is going to do honestly i think this show is going to make me smoke more stuff on my own that i normally won't smoke because most of the time yeah most of the time you know i'm smoking really heavy stronger stuff but you know we're going to showcase a new cigar every week and it's going to end – I've found myself this week um, actually smoking, uh, like, from our very first show, the uh, – La, um, La Roma the, de Cuba. The, the Roma, yeah, the Mia Moore. And also the Julius Caesar. Was that Julius Caesar I can smoke whenever yeah. I want? But I think that's what this show is going to do. It's going to yeah. open up, you know, my palate on a personal level more than just the business level of smoking cigars. Yeah. More, stuff that I want to – that I'm going to enjoy more um, because I want to, not because I have to. It's uh, it it got kind of sweet, which is good. I don't know if that's the caramel. Yeah. yeah. Is okay. It's I'm liking it. Yeah. My, so that's my, what you pick up from that bourbon barrel. Okay. Is that kind of sweetness? Okay. My brother-in-law would love this cigar, because you know mm-hmm. he smoked cigars a lot. So, um, but yeah, he not Aaron's brother-in-law. No, my my sisters, <laughs> my yeah, my blood sister. That's what I'm saying. When I say your family's big, your family's big. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I love my family. I, yeah, we got a pretty strong family, so. But yeah, he would like this. He, this is definitely more of his. I was always, you know, I I would always like pick a Maduro or, mm-hmm. or you know, kind of a, I guess medium. I don't know. Medium to full, yeah. Yeah, medium to full. You could poison me, and I wouldn't even know it. <laughs> what, am I, what am I smoking today? He's smoking this, man. Here, all right, guys, watch this dude. He's going to fall out. Here. <laughs> But I think that's one of the things that I do, like, when we get together and have, you know, get-togethers and stuff. I always bring, like, a different mm-hmm. cigar. I'm like, oh, here, try this. You know, it's not something you usually have, but I think it's something you'll enjoy. Right. And I, you know, I think I'm opening you up to a little bit more, oh, yeah. you know, uh, aspect of, you know, cigars that you might normally not have but enjoy. Well, And that's a big part of this podcast for listeners as well, right? Yeah. That's why we're doing such drastically different cigars every week. We've done multiple sizes so far. We've done, you know, totally different blends between the three. Yeah, because I would never, so I would never smoke a Gordo, you yeah. know, on my own. So the same thing, you know, you're opening your palate up to this yep. new stuff. That's exactly what we're trying to do with you guys listening. So right, and you know what's important to me? You know, I've whenever I travel or go anywhere with my family, I'll, I'll stop in at cigar places, yeah. and hands down, never, ever, ever, ever had a bad experience with a cigar here, ever. It's awesome. And I've, I mean, I've you know, been around and got cigars places, never here, ever. So you guys, hats off, man. It's it's the best. So I'm not saying, I'm <laughs> not really being biased. It. No, I mean. And, I really mean that. So, you know. Yeah, you kind of have to know them because you don't pull punches, you know. No, I don't. I mean, you I'll say it. Like it yeah, is. you say how it is, and you yep. know, and, you know, and there's a. Uh, if people know me, they know me. Yeah. You know, I'll shoot them straight. I don't BS. So 
if if you know if if it wasn't that, then I'd tell you guys straight to your faces. And I mean, I, and you know, and if there is times that you see, you know, we need to you know work on something. I mean, you straight up say it, yep. and you know, and we take that into effect and we yeah. work on it. But just like you know, you're open up to everybody wants constructive criticism on to make you know any business aspect grow, and you know it's it's healthy. All right, Aaron, it's time for your favorite part. All right, so let me fill in Will for what we do. So at the end of every podcast, we do this game called Million Dollars, but it's from my favorite podcast, the Rooster Teeth uh, podcast. Here's the question. Million dollars, but every time you spend money, you have the same level of control over your body as a toddler. Oh, man. And this is forever. You take the money, this happens until you're six feet in the ground. Every time you spend money, you automatically become a two-year-old blah, 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 just flopping over everywhere. For how long? Uh, let's just say an hour. Okay, I'd take the money. Take the money? Absolutely. <laughs> but, you have, but then for an hour, wherever you spend money, you can't drive anywhere. No. You're there. After that hour, I have a million dollars, correct? Yeah, but it only happens one time. You only get one million dollars, but you now, every time you spend money, you have the body, bodily control of a toddler. Yeah. yeah, so I wouldn't spend money after that. I'd have my wife spend all the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but imagine this. You're cutting hair. Doris is out there, and she buys something. All of a sudden, you're like, you got clippers oh, in so your hand. even if she buys... <laughs> yeah, I mean... Oh, if, even if she spends money. Yeah, if she's spending your money or Ooh. something, I mean, you just... Into somebody's head. Yeah, I'm, I'd be wor- more worried about soiling my pants. <laughs> yeah. Licking the floor and doing all that crap. I don't know. That's a, if it's if it's that, like anytime somebody spends that money, yeah. I'd have to say no. I, I'm, I'm going to say no on this. Yeah, I'm not taking it either. I don't yeah. think that's worth it. Yeah, no, I can't. Not at all. No, just, just. I mean, what's the point? You can't enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't enjoy it. Well, so. what, I mean, what if it was for 15 minutes? <laughs> I. I got two kids. I've seen a lot happen in 15 minutes with <laughs> a two-year-old. Well, so it's not necessarily saying you lose mental capacity. You just lose your your physical ability. Okay, so I'm on the floor, you know, aware that I'm soiling my pants yeah. and flopping around. Yeah, yeah, he says you have the same level of control over your body as a toddler. No. <laughs> I have to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no on this one, too. I have to say no. I don't think I would take it either. We know across the board? Yeah, I don't think I would. Yeah. I don't think it's worth it. We had this discussion when we first started doing this about, you know, what is a million dollars? You know, it's a lot of money and it's going to change your life it's for a like period. Working, it's like working 20 yes. years making $50,000 a year. Yeah. It's so a lot it's of gonna money. It's change your life, but it's not going to drastically make a huge difference for the, the entire span of your life. Right. I mean, it's going to literally change your life. Yeah. If you're flopping around on the floor. You know, <laughs> crap in your pants. I mean, well, you won't necessarily do that. I mean, you just, if you happen to have to go, then it would just, you know, you just go because a two year old is not really potty trained, right? Or I'd just have to be turned into a, you know, two year old adult. You know, they'd have to build like a stroller for me and everything. And that's, that's how it's going to be. You know, wheel me around everywhere, yeah, put oh me in a car seat, and let's go. Yeah, jo- Josh or Drew could push you around. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. The mom of the shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, j So do you want to tell everybody what we're going to be having next week? Yeah, so next week we're going to do um, the Romeo 1875 Nicaragua. Um, we've got an event on May 17th. Um, so if you're able to make it out for that, we usually run from uh, 5 to 8 um, with Altada Cigars this month. 
Um, so that covers Monte Cristo, Romeo, H. Upman, Juan Lopez, SLR. Just a big host of. I mean, there, there's there's going to be something that Altadas has that you, for everybody that, yeah. that you like. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a cool event. We're really looking forward to that. Um, we do events every month, so um, we'll try to keep you guys updated on you know when the events are coming up and what they are. So, um, but yeah, Will, I want to say thanks for coming, man. We really appreciate you being on. It was an honor. I'm seriously, I really, really enjoyed myself. It was cool. Good. Thank you for thank you for having me. Yeah, this this has been a blast. You know, when when me and Steve, you know, first, you know, thought of this idea, you know, a year ago, you know, we finally started nailing everything down within the past three months, and you know, this is our third episode. You know, first one was introduction, second one we had Brandon, you know, the captain of our ship, you know, over here, and like you, you're captain of your place and everything. Um, you know, one of the first ones I had on, or when we were talking about having guests, I was like, we gotta have Will, yep, gotta, get Will. gotta have Will That's on. Awesome, I really yeah. appreciate so. it. That means a lot to me. Now, you guys are like family, so... Yeah, we you appreciate know. you, buddy. Much love, West End. Always. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Later.